sir? I'm great. How are you? Good. Lego train sets, big like engineer's hat. What'd you get? No, a really nice sweater and a visit from our son from Toronto. Nice. And that is good enough for me. You know, it's it's funny when when Christmas comes and your your kids have moved out and they come back, that's that's a gift all it's by its lonesome, right? And you know, it's weird because I almost feel upset when they get me gifts because just just be there. That is all I want. I know that's weird, mm-hmm. but the older you get, it, you, I'm, I'm sure you understand, the older you get, that's really all you want. It's what fills your heart. It fills yeah. mine anyway. Yeah, it does for sure. And also, I think kids, they still don't realize that dad, when dad wants something, he just goes to the store and buys it. That's the thing, right? And you know what dad wants? Dad doesn't want very much. No. Dad's got everything he needs right now, so there's not even a lot of buying at the store. Please tell me that the sweater was hideous, like a big moose on the front, like in whatever that movie was with What's His Doodle. It's not. You want to know what sweater it was? Mm. You remember the big? You remember the Big Lebowski? Oh, I love the Big Lebowski. Well, the sweater that the dude wears is the sweater ah. that I got, and it is gorgeous. Damn it! That's so cool. <laughs> My wife's pretty cool. So yes. Yeah. Yes, you you definitely outkicked your coverage, sir. Um, you got that right. Yeah, I got a Fitbit. I got a Prince shirt. I got a computer from my son and something else I've forgotten. Can't remember. Wow, that's a pretty good haul. Uh, you know what? They're making money now, so it's all good for dad. It's the good stuff right. coming through. Yes, they're making money. The three best words in the world. Totally. So New Year's, <laughs> I, I, had, I had a little bit of uh, champagne on New Year's, and I had a couple of... Um, Irish coffees at Christmas, but I was surprised how little I drank this year. Are you slowing down there too? You know what? I never started, and I worked for Molson for five years, so that's <laughs> going to come as a shock to us. Try working for Molson and being a non-drinker. Wow. It, it Yeah, it's. Uh, I could write a book on what I heard in the bar after the game. Like, wow. are you too good to drink? Are you too good to drink with us? Why won't you drink? So neither one of us, neither one of us drinks, so it was just kind of a a really nice New Year's Eve. We went for a walk in the rain, bought an ice cream bar at 7-Eleven. That's, that's pretty nice. much the perfect New nice. Year's Eve for me. And when people used to chide you about, you know, are you too good to come drinking with us? You'd say, I don't drink, and yes, I am too good to go with drinking with you. Is that- you know, it, I, I never, I don't think I ever had a good answer, and I'll be honest with you, it was very uncomfortable. When I think about those memories, sometimes they're very uncomfortable. But I just reached a point in my life where I thought, why would I start now? Yeah, and you're right. Just, you're I, right. I just never did. It wasn't a me better than whatever. And and I'll tell you something else that doesn't hurt. I don't really like the taste of anything. Beautiful. So that yeah, that doesn't that doesn't hurt me at all. I know that. Yeah, and, and also I, I you know good for you for not being intimidated into doing something you genuinely didn't want to do, and quite frankly, burns brain cells and, and isn't good for you. So I'll tell you what, if I was ever going to be intimidated into something, that would have been the time. Right. Because five years, not five minutes for Molson. Five years for Molson Brewery, yeah. and never, yeah, that was uh, that was tough. It could be a chapter in the book for sure. What, what, that was here in Edmonton. It was probably. Yeah, I, I lived in Calgary, but we did most of our games in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, wild stuff. All right, so I, I have to ask this because if I don't, people are going to rain blows on me online. You wrote on the second of January. Uh, McDavid sitting on eight hundred ninety nine. I produced the game, which ninety nine got number one thousand. Uh, only time our host Tim Spellacy and I didn't see eye to eye on something. It's a good story. Maybe with low tide on Friday, people are are haranguing me to tell you that to have you tell that story. So please, the floor is yours. 
Okay, it's it's a bit of a, I'll try to shorten it, but it's a bit of a long story. Is that okay? Yeah, we'll just have an intermission like in My Fair Lady. We'll do, Then we'll get up and stretch our legs halfway through. I don't have to sing like an overture during the intermission, do I? A little bit, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, let me plan that in my head. So it's December 1984, and the Oilers have just lost in New Jersey, 5-2, to two, to a team that was Mickey Mouse a year before. Right. Rocky Trache scored a penalty shot goal. <laughs> the far, right, the far lesser known brother of Brian Trache. So the Oilers are coming home and they are not happy. And Gretzky's sitting on 9.99. And we've got the Kings at the Oilers. I think it was December 19th, 1984. I'm 23 and our host Tim Spellacy is 28. So you got basically you got two 20-year-olds running the telecast. And years before, uh, when I started working for Hockey Night, I really struggled with teases. And teases were the first thing we put at the beginning of the show. Right after, there was an intro, and it was called, It said, um, the following is a Canadian Sports Network production in association with ITV. That That's exactly what it said. It. You're right. Yes, it is. Yeah. It was at the beginning of every telecast, and then we did our tease. And I remember going into John Shannon one time, who was our senior producer, and said, I don't know what I want to do for the tease t- tomorrow. I'm just I'm so confused about what the tease should be. And he, he looked at me, he was behind his desk, and he said, well, what's the story of the game? And I said, oh, well, it's such and such. He goes, well, then that's your tease. <laughs> like, okay, got it. So I never struggled with a tease again. So obviously Gretzky's on 9.99. So the tease is going to be Gretzky's thousandth point. And I remember back in the day, you might remember this, the NFL Today, it was on CBS, Brent Musburger was the host. Yes. They would start every show the same way, and I'm sure you remember. You are looking live. You are looking live at Giant Stadium in New York, where today Phil Simms will try to break the record for, then they would do a swinging door wipe. You are now looking live at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego. Love it. Love it. Me too. It still gives me freaking chills right now saying it to you. So I think here's what we're going to do. We are simply going to have an end zone camera three wide shot of the inside of the Coliseum. So after it says in association with ITV, down to black, up, you are looking live at Northland's Coliseum. Perfect. Where tonight, Wayne Gretzky, and this is the sticking point between me and Tim, will get his 1,000th point. And Tim says, well, I'm not saying that. And I said, Tim, look, get serious. There's no chance this guy's not getting 1,000 tonight. I'm not saying that. And I'm sure as hell not writing it, because Tim wrote the tease. And I said, I'm telling you, he's getting 1,000. The idea is to get people to watch this game. That's what I want to say. And he goes, well, then you write it, because I'm not writing it. I said, not only will I write it, I'll voice it if you want, because I don't care. He's going to get 1,000 points tonight. So this is the all the whole afternoon where I go back to the hotel. I write it. I write it on your hand on Weston Hotel stationery. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. It doesn't have to be long, right, Al? It just probably nope. has to be 20, 25 seconds. Yep. I bring it back. Tim shows up at, after pre-pack probably around 5 o'clock. And I said, well, what's happening here? And he says, I'm going to read it, but I'm not happy about it. I said, okay. So our director, our director Ron Brown, God love him, but I got more creativity in the nail on my little finger than Brownie ever had. 
And I said, the tease tonight is just going to be a wide shot of the rink from camera three. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you just go to black and then just come up live on three. Well, what do you mean? (laughs) Ron, Ron, how do I have to explain this? It's just going to be Timmy voicing over camera three. That's it. Yeah, but what's the tape? What are we playing back for? We're not playing anything. So finally, this whole thing comes to get like, I don't understand why I have to pull all these, pull all these teeth to get this stuff. Tim, and I said, do you want to read it on tape, Tim, or you want to read it live? I, he goes, what do you want me to do? I said, well, why don't you read it live? There's more excitement in your voice when you're reading it live. Yes, always. So sure enough, right, right? So we go to black, we come up on the wide shot, we're locked off on three in the end zone. Tim says, you're looking live at Northlands Coliseum. We're tonight against the Los Angeles Kings. Wayne Gretzky will get his 1,000th career NHL point, and you will see it live on ITV. Perfect. Boom. We roll our... We roll our open. A freaking minute 40 into the game, Wayne goes in in a breakaway, goes off the post, go, hits Crucial Niski's foot, goes in. We've got the ISO. That's it. It's 1,000 points. So Tim sits, <laughs> Tim sits in the studio. I can see his silhouette, but they turn the lights off during the intermission or during the periods because it's too hot, right? So mm-hmm. I can see Timmy sitting there. So, of course, like a complete dink. I just hit my key, right? Even before oh, you're, we rolled the you're an ass. Yeah. yeah, and I just went, <laughs> told you. And he, and he, I know he wanted to give me the finger. I know he did. But he's in, he's in front of the camera, so he doesn't. So he just, I just remember him holding up his fist a little bit. And yeah. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, no, that's the right decision. And, of course, it was. And you know what I said to him later? Let's say, Tim, he doesn't get his thousandth point. Let's say he doesn't get it. Well, it still gives us something to talk about. We were all so sure as Oilers fans. What happened? How did the Kings shut him down? It's a story either way. Yes, it is. But he was he was adamant. And then just to rub it in. See, told you. <laughs> I, I have to say, I love that story. But as much as I love the spellacy tension, I love the fact that had to explain the intro because it was not enough work. You know, oh, that you know what? That's exactly what it was. It it wasn't, and like I said, God love Ron Brown. It wasn't what we normally did ninety nine out of a hundred times. It was it was it was a little bit creative, and there was just no there was no comprehension there. And why I would remember having to like drill down so deep to get this in. This is what it's going to be. This is it. It's just a wide shot for thirty seconds. It was just, it was almost like it was too simple, mind blown. I don't know what it was, but I remember it. I, I love that story. That is a brilliant one. You've told many. I think that might be my favorite. Um, oh, I forgot the intermission, though. I forgot the interlude. What's that? There, it's at the end. I'm so sorry. Listen, it's your show. You're running the well, show. If you say there's an intermission, there's. Got, I'm so sorry. There's, there's, uh, there's, uh, the, the song we've chosen is Get Me to the Church on Time, so you'll have to... Uh, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen just right <laughs> off the top. I can do I Dream of Jeannie, but okay. that's about it. All right, we, we could go with that. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Um, we, you and I, if we ran, if we rolled tape on all the conversations we've had so far this season, people would think we had either been drinking or making up a season because this Oilers team has gone from sublime to the ridiculous and... I mean, they're not out of the woods. They're, they're, you know, it's not like they're they're sitting in first place in the Pacific Division. But they've got an easy schedule. They've had a fantastic December. Is there any possibility this team would stub its toe against Ottawa tomorrow? 
that's so funny you would frame it that way because yesterday I said to somebody, I don't know if this is the most bizarre season in NHL history, but 30X number games in, it feels like the strangest season I've ever seen in my life. And you just framed it exactly the same way. Of course there's a chance they stub their toe against Ottawa. But I think that the more they play the way they're playing, so against Philly, you got the two-goal lead, you blow it. I think, I think they've figured it out now. And this is hard for me to say. But I think they've figured it out. I think they've figured out that if they listen to Chris and Paul, they will get a W. There's a direct line between the two. And I think I'm getting the sense that any toe stubs from here on in may be small. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Can you, you, you were around coffee as a young man. Uh, Paul Coffey's had a fascinating career. Books have been written. Uh, Scotty Bowman's book was particularly, you know, he, he expressed frustration with coffee because coffee was such a gifted player with the puck and and a little at times an adventure without the puck, but a brilliant player nonetheless. And with that as the background, and that is my sort of you know resume or or uh, scouting report on him as a career. His his coaching, I don't know how much of it is him and Mark Stewart, and how much is Chris Knobloch, but the the structure, the calmness, but also the aggressiveness and the ability to make plays of this defense it has been a, a revelation. And it's it's. It's hard not to give Paul Coffey at least some credit for it. Who knew? It's not like he's been coaching for 15 years. No, that's a fact. But I would say this, and, and I'm obviously I don't know Paul Coffey as well as many other people, but to me, the, the best way I could describe Paul Coffey is Paul Coffey saw things differently than most other people saw them, and not hockey-related and also non-hockey-related. So when you get somebody like that, if you want to call them a really creative person or a really unique person, whatever you want to call them, I think people struggle with understanding people who don't see things the way most people see them. Now, that's what made him great. And quite frankly, that's what made Wayne Gretzky great. It's because he saw things differently than everybody else saw them too. And I think Wayne and Paul were very similar that way. But I also think Paul was very uncomfortable with a lot of the um, slings and arrows, bullets, criticism he took over his career. And if I think about that too hard, it makes me sad because it still makes me sad that he left Edmonton the way he did. I remember doing the game the night he got traded to Pittsburgh and we did a phone interview. I was doing a CHCH game in Toronto and Ron McLean was our host. And I had Ron do a phone interview with Glenn Sather. And I remember during the whole phone interview, I was just so sad that the first piece of what was a great Oilers puzzle had been moved. Right. And I think that Paul sees things differently. And if he can impart that, which I'm guessing at this point he can, that's, that's success right there. Is he, and I don't, I've never met Paul Coffey. I've met a few of the old-timey Oilers, but I've never met Paul Coffey. Is he sort of a, a cerebral person? Like, is he... Is he, does he, despite his obvious physical skills and his athleticism, does he sort of see the world uh, at a different level maybe? I think he does. Um, I think when it comes to hockey, he's certainly cerebral. And it's funny, i got a funny story. So 
I don't know when this was, Al. I think it was during a World Junior in Toronto. So probably 2015. I'm on an elevator on a level at what was then Air Canada, now Air Canada Centre, Scotiabank Arena. And there's probably 15 people in the elevator. And we're getting ready to go down. And just before the, the doors close, Paul Coffey is coming towards the elevator. And so I reach over and I hit the hold the door open. And he comes in and he says, oh, thanks. I said, hey, man, when you score 48 and break Bobby Orr's record, people hold the door for you. Everybody else in the elevator laughed, but he looked kind of semi-uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I just thought, gee, isn't that funny? He wouldn't laugh at that, but he didn't. Hmm. He just kind of turned. Yeah, I thought, that, I thought that was strange. He turned inside. Everybody else laughed. Everybody thought it was great, light, lighthearted. And I, I, I don't know what he thought, but I just thought he didn't react the way I thought he would react, and I thought that was interesting. It's funny because coffee was, I think people, because he got traded out of town so quickly, and maybe um, he, his legend grew elsewhere, and, and although he certainly accomplished a lot when he was at Edmonton, I remember taking at least two people to games in the early 80s and raving about Gretzky, and both of them came away raving about Paul Coffey and his skating. They couldn't believe him with on the ice with the puck on a stick and how fluid it was. He was a gorgeous skater. I've never seen a better skater than him in my life. And I mean, there are faster skaters. Mike Gartner was a fast skater. Connor McDavid's a fast skater. I have never seen a more beautiful skater than Paul Coffey. And I could, I could literally, like, I can't say this about anybody. I could watch him skate all day. And I don't think, you know, it'd be fascinating to see a computer breakdown of the mechanics of, you know, where they put that suit on with the balls all yeah. over the place to yeah. see why he's such a beautiful skater. He was just such a beautiful skater, beautiful to watch. And we're playing hockey and trying to score goals. That's not the, the prime objective is to be a beautiful skater. But boy, was he ever. You know, I, I, as you said that, I remember reading, I think in Sports Illustrated, they, they, uh, they had a computer come up with the perfect uh, wind-up and delivery of a pitcher, and it was so close to Nolan Ryan, people were freaked out. And I wonder if the way Coffee skated is about, you know, obviously size and length and all of that have to have an impact. But he was such a powerful skater, too. Like, he had real power but grace with him. The thing that amazed me is three strides, and he's, like, if, if you remember the goal he scored to break Bobby Orr's record, the mm-hmm. one where I, I have the famous ISO of it, he, hard, he picks up the puck, in his own zone, I, I should I should play it and count how many strides he takes before he gets to Troy Gamble and the Canucks net, but it's not very many. Yeah. He takes a few steps and he cuts, and then there's a couple of no strides and then pass some guys. It's fascinating to watch. I, I've never seen anybody skate like that before or since. We've gone long, but I'm glad we did. Lansky, you rock. Thank you.